Hey everybody, it's Tanya Adlita back again with Recovering Church Girls, and I am coming to you live slash recorded from the closet of my best friend. We road tripped uh, to meet in Chicago. So we have August, uh, which you've met before, coming from Detroit. And then of course, myself and my kids uh, drove over from Philly and we've landed in Evanston, Illinois. Uh, and we have all been friends for 25 years and have had some pretty interesting experiences together. And the funny thing is, is that we knew, like all of us being together, we're like, we just need to record the entire weekend because we're gonna be talking about stuff all all the time yeah. just because it's who we are and it's how how much of a mind fuck we've experienced uh in <laughs> this example gold. <laughs> yeah exactly it's it like oh we needed that sentence like that was so good yeah. so um we will do our best to recap some of these conversations over the, the past couple of days but really you know i think there's something i'm so grateful i'm so so grateful to have this time with you guys because unless you experienced what we did and, you know, kind of having that time together and then all of us each individually came out in our own way, you know, as far as like our own journey out of the church and then figuring out what that spirituality looked like for each of us individually, we still had a lot of crossover. We still mm -hmm. had a lot of shared experience, even though we weren't all in the same space together anymore. And I'm just really grateful for that kind of connection that we all have because that's really rare. Um, so before I start crying, I just want to say thank you, uh, you know, just you guys have both been such huge anchors for me in my own personal process in this. And I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful that we can talk about, you know, all the different layers to all of this. And especially now this weekend has been so much fun because we have all of our kids, almost all of our kids, yeah. we, we were missing one out of the three <laughs> families. Um, but to be able to have all of our children together and see how we have each been very intentional about our parenting to not, you know, kind of like repeat the things that we all grew up with and yet the qualities that our kids have from three different families three different locations you know all the other things and yet they have so many similar qualities about who they've become and, and the things that we all value like creativity and you know genuine connection and all of these things we get to see that in our kids all goofing around together burying each other on the beach or you know whatever yeah so it's adventure. been an adventure yeah i mean they're all kind of getting to the age that we were right when we met oh my gosh like, i hadn't thought about that yeah yeah well, and that's what i was gonna okay. say just to quantify that that the ministry is what brought the three of us together mm -hmm. you know so i know maybe that goes without saying but just how we all came from such different pathways into that central space and that's where this friendship was born and then you know yeah going yeah there. that's true so, yeah Oh, and I'm just going to disclaim right now, like we are in a house with however many children. Um, and you know, if like, if you have children, then you get the idea that you may be interrupted at any given point and yeah, this is just the way it is. And we're just going to roll with it. So we did the best we could for you guys, for your audio quality, for the audio files that are crammed in my closet. Yeah. I'm like, it's not like, that big. Give us credit for that much. All right. So we, we've got our lattes and we're, we're all sitting in here together. Um, so just roll with it, roll with us. And there we go. Okay, so I have already had a chance, August, to have your backstory. Jen, we have yours that we're, we're going to get to as well. What I'd like to do is really talk about kind of who we were coming into the internship experience. And then you guys had a really interesting time, you know, after we all, air quote, graduated. There was a group of us that stayed in Tulsa and we went on to Earl Roberts University. You guys came back to Chicago and uh, pretty much went right into continuation of leadership in another youth organized yes. ministry. So I'd like to talk a little bit about kind of that transition for you and then what happened 
after? Like, how did we each become the people that we are now? Mm -hmm. And, you know, what does that look like for our, our spirituality and who we are and all the different layers? So, so let's go back to like the beginning of the Teen Mania internship uh -huh. experience. Like, who were you coming into that environment? It was before Jen and August. It was before Jen and August. Yeah. Because that was like <laughs> As a of sold out. definable, yeah, yeah, like time Title. period. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you go. I feel like you should go because you oh. are, yeah. Why? Because <laughs> I will take my cues from you. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Um, well, I came into Teen Mania. I graduated at 17 from high school. And are we allowed to like say organization names? I believe oh. so because that particular organization no longer exists. Okay. Okay. That's my understanding. Neither does the other one. <laughs> That's true. Oh, oh okay. interesting. I don't know who's but, listening yeah. to this, but okay. Yeah. okay. I'm sorry. No, no, no. That's a fair question. Fair question. <laughs> so, yeah, I came into it. I did a trip with them to Mexico. So my, I turned 18 on the beach at Mexico in Mexico, dressed in the peasant costume. <laughs> and um, I got thrown in the ocean after that performance as my birthday gift. So I was on a Teen Mania trip for my 18th birthday and immediately... Um, signed up to do the internship with them, but then I had to do some fundraising. I wanted to jump into the January class that year, which would have meant I would have missed you. That's right. But I couldn't because I needed to raise money. So I started in the following August, which was 1994. And yeah, I came in thinking, okay, this is something I can do with meaning, with purpose. That's going to give me an opportunity also to travel because I had already done my first couple of trips. I had been to Scotland, England, and Mexico already. So um, Which I mean, back in the day, like we're talking about the early '90s, it was pretty incredible yeah, that we had was. each traveled as much as we had right. as teenagers to come back in. So, right. you know, outside of everything right else, I will always be grateful for that experience and that exposure at such a young age. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, my mom didn't even have a passport, and until it wasn't until she was 50 that she ever had left the, that she ever left the country. Mm -hmm. So I had been to a lot more places than she had ever been. You know, it just wasn't ingrained in the family, I should say. Yeah. It wasn't a thing. And so it was pretty, it was a, a pretty big deal, you know, mm -hmm. coming in. And so I, I picked up, I moved to Tulsa, and I was like, this is my life now. And then that was it. And then. <laughs> and the Boston sister. Yeah. <laughs> um, who I was coming into the internship without going into my whole backstory, which I assume that we I'm like, oh, um, don't worry. We'll, we'll, be we'll also, get to that. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty juicy. Um, <laughs> I was the, I was kind of like first generation doing anything like this. Similar, similar situation. Not a lot of international travel in my family. Um, you know, I grew up very poor. And so just the act of fundraising and tell, trying to explain to people what I was doing was very interesting for me. Um, my family had landed in a small town uh, in that time period, and it was the kind of place that no one ever left. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we came in as outsiders. So I think that I always knew that I wanted to do something bigger and outside of like what I knew, but I, I didn't know what that was. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I remember I used to watch, do you guys remember fire by night? Yeah. <laughs> that was oh the first God. time I ever heard of the ministry. And I was like, that's so cool. I always had this. Yeah. I was always too chicken to audition for a play or do anything like that. But I always want, like, I always felt 
that there was some kind of fabulous actress inside of me. And so this idea of being around other people doing the same thing and, and traveling and doing something that felt important, I think mm-hmm. that's what really drew me in. So initially... It's glamorous, you know? Yeah. It's sort of like the version, like the Instagram thing now, yeah. that's what that was. It was yeah. on TV and all of these, like, teenagers were living these lifestyles and we were like, what? Who's doing yeah. this? How can I do that? Yeah. And, and yeah. especially the, all the idea that it was something bigger than ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that mm-hmm. was definitely part of the, kind of the hook because, you know, really there was a very altruistic type of idea that we wanted to do good in the world and we thought that this is what it was. Yes. Now, granted, each one of us had the conversations even then in the environment of what are we actually doing? Yeah. But it wasn't until, you know, 5, 10, 15 years later that we really, truly dismantled it all to see what it sure. really was. But there was something that appealed to us about like, yeah, there's there's something bigger here that we can invest ourselves into to then be a part of this legacy. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it was, it was an analog world yeah so that's true we i think i forget even though it hasn't been that long i forget how connected we are how connected our kids are Mm -hmm. through internet Mm -hmm. through television through all these different um platforms that back then like it really like there wasn't when we heard about the ministry in chicago it was mind blowing because there wasn't any specific church just for mm. for teenagers. Right. Like teenagers were the tr- you know they were the troublemakers. They mm-hmm. were the ones that were mm-hmm. kind of forgotten. And I think that I I forget that because now there is a huge just even the YouTube channels right. that kids yeah. are starting up and becoming interconnected with like yeah. international people. So. Youth are yeah. recognized as a people group, and then mm-hmm. it was just you're, you're trying to become an adult. You know, yeah. it was it was your transitional period. It wasn't a real thing, right? I, quote unquote, you know, and and so yeah, when we heard about that ministry, I remember explaining it to other people who were just like, "Well, what are you going to do now?" And I was like, "There's a church that's just young people, like it's not a youth group. It's just a church of young people, and that's where I want to be." You know, mm-hmm. and so. Um, it was revolutionary idea at the time. On top of, we didn't just, when we moved on from T-Mania and went to that ministry, we didn't just do church services, but everything was youth run. Right. Right. So we were leaders, but we were barely older than the people we were leading. Yep. And then the the worship band, everything was made up of the teenagers who were part of it. So mm-hmm. they felt they felt incredibly invested. We felt incredibly invested. We had coffee house nights open till 2 a.m. So it was this whole environment where um, kids could do something late on a weekend with all of their friends. Their parents felt safe. There's no Mm -hmm. alcohol there. You know, they had leadership and people, you know, monitoring their safety, but they could still feel like they were living, you know, quote unquote, their lives and doing teen Yeah, to have kind of that independence as a teenager at that point, which makes me think... Who cares if it's a cult as long as they're not having (laughs) sex and not smoking up? Yeah, what a perfect segue. I mean, like, seriously, that's exactly where I was going to head. And you just took us right there. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. Because I don't know about you guys, that was definitely a selling feature for my parents when it came, you know, the idea of me going into the internship of like, oh, well, you can't date for a year. That sounds like that a sounds wonderful good. idea. You know, 
like all of these types of things. We had a, the expression was was BV'd, like all the things oh, you could yes. be BV'd for, bon which voyage. meant bon voyage. I mean, pack your bags. You are done. You are oh, you've been gosh. excommunicated from this family that we told you you were a part of. But you know, once you're BV'd and you broke the rules, you are no longer a part of the family. You are out. And so you know, this idea. I'm like I. I should have been BB probably. I didn't actually break the, the rules. Oh uh, yeah, but I I was close. I'm gonna walk in the line. Yeah, like yeah. I don't know that we skirt all around. I know. Well, we and both especially did that. yeah, this particular group that we have assembled in this closet, like we are the ones that the rules were made for. Like <laughs> yes. we would break them, and then at the next family meeting, it was like, as of now, such and such is no longer allowed. Remember when they outlawed hugging? Yes. Because at first, you were allowed to hug, but then it was like no, the they side said hug. No. Full body hugs. No full body hugs. Were right? out, like, specifically right. written in but then, But then we started wrestling. Yeah. And then that was The problem odd. is that when you have a group of people like that and you're doing all of this emotional and spiritual sort of, like, raw, you know, dumping, right. really. You're right. From your family of origin. Right. Mm -hmm. It becomes your family and, and you you really need touch to go along with that and yeah. i'm not even talking about sexual touch but you need touch but the way that they created the boundaries wasn't in a healthy you know we can build healthy male female relationships here mm -hmm. without it being sexual they didn't really approach that they were like we don't want you guys to get sexual so there's no right you know interaction no contact yeah right yeah so it was the far extreme to that which i think for so many of us like went totally the wrong yeah. way later in life well the wrestling do you remember all the wrestling oh matches? i have a whole photo montage oh of a certain person <laughs> <laughs> let's let's say km <laughs> that was just it, it's just hilarious I can't believe I didn't pull them out for this visit yeah I'm like oh we might we might need to go back I to might the archives have to go for this yeah. But, yeah but yeah it they're it and you have teenagers with these hormones which biologically we need to be like fighting something or like having sex and clearly we couldn't do either of those either things <laughs> so yeah there was none of that outlet for all of this really deep and intense stuff that was kind of put onto us. Mm -hmm. Well, that. and I remember you mentioned something about the idea of like this, this heightened intimacy, basically mm -hmm. that we are not only having been forced upon us, but we're also experiencing, we're creating for other people. So we're in this constant cycle and there isn't an appropriate outlet of being able to, you know, really synthesize what all of that actually means and how that shows up for us. But then like fast forward even further, the idea of when you do get back out into society, uh, what are we supposed to do now? Because we've been sequestered for the past year. And I mean, really, like, I feel we were so fortunate in our particular class because yeah. things yeah. really went off the rails the year after us. So yeah. I'm not even going to speak to any of that because none of us experienced it. And I right. have two siblings that went were in the program after. after that. I had no idea. I did. I oh, have, my word. You know, actually, I probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> yeah, that's you might have to cut this out. Sure. That's their story to tell. But, yeah, um, a certain sibling was on staff for years and years mm. and years and years. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah that's really interesting. Yeah. So I, I was able I was able to intimately sort of know some of the Yeah, yeah. see the things that were really happening. Days. Yeah. yeah. It was, yeah. 
I well, do feel very fortunate, actually. But yeah. I remember we would talk about the idea, like, after, like, post-internship. And, you know, and I think you guys may have even been out of the second ministry by that point. But I remember we would have deep conversations about when people are in ministry, it always seemed as if there was a choice that was made between their own individual families yeah. and the work that they were doing for God. Yes. And this idea, like, we never saw anyone held up as an example or like as a real life person that kept their family intact that was consistent with what they would also then say from the pulpit Mm -hmm. and I think that was a big thing that was I mean I remember we wrestled with that like up until 1159 on fasting days waiting Mm -hmm. for the clock to turn midnight so we could make our ramen noodles these are the things that we're talking about of just like well what is what is that all about and we didn't have the vocabulary for it we didn't have the full understanding but even even then we knew something isn't meshing here and I don't know what it is and I don't know what to do about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, you just don't, that line of questioning is not encouraged. No, not no. at all. <laughs> oh no. You haven't read enough scripture yet. Right? You know, I oh, think I yeah. touched on that I in my story that. too. Yeah. It's <laughs> you just, to, you need to read more scripture. You need to have more faith and like, we oh. don't always understand oh, yeah, God's that's ways. And there are so many ways that you can avoid real, questions from people by really engaging in being vague yeah yeah and in case you're not picking up on the sarcasm for anybody who's listening (laughs) we're going heavy on the sarcasm with this idea of like read more scripture as a way of actually handling not even an objection but just a legitimate question and it's it's not like it's a mute button yeah it's not actually answering anything because even if there were clear direction which i didn't find much from leaders that were older than me it wasn't like um why don't you check out, occasionally you get someone say, why don't you check out, you know, First Corinthians this or whatever. But a lot of times it was, why don't you dig into the scripture? Mm. You know what I mean? It's just, it's a mute button. It's, I don't really yeah. want to hear what it is that you're yeah. saying right now. The ball's in your court again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you're confused and you can't find the answer, that's, that's then really, you. what does that say about your yeah. relationship yeah. with God? Yeah. You're not tight enough. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and I wanted to touch on too. So when we moved on, from Team Mania, mm-hmm. and you stayed in Tulsa, and we went to the Chicago area for this other ministry. We were sort of like these um, low-level, low-key rock stars. <laughs> so, I mean, they came to pick us up, and there was like a whole reception. Like people were waiting to wow. meet us, and that's where we got the the moniker. You know, Jen and August. It was one name, <laughs> and we went by that for several years, and. And yeah, because of where we had come from. So mm-hmm. we were carrying the legacy of the ministry that we came from right. into this platform. And it was like it, you, people, again, touching back on what I had said before in our own conversation of getting that question of how could you be part of a cult? How did you not realize? You know, But it's also when you feel like you want to have purpose mm-hmm. and you have all of these eyes looking at you and and asking you questions and feeling like they're getting answers or inspiration or whatever from you, it's very again, touching on what happens today with Instagram, mm-hmm. it's very gratifying. You feel like I do have purpose. I am doing something in the world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Someone and it wasn't like, I'm cool. <laughs> and I don't think either of us was like, I want to be famous no. or, or any kind of um, pompous kind of, I didn't feel that in, in our group at all, but, but it was just more like, it's validation. That's the word yeah, I'm looking yeah, for. Yeah. It's just validation where you're just like, okay, you know the struggle that you might have been through, but now all these people are looking to you to like have your shit together. Right. You know, and so in that 
environment, you're just like, I'm going to keep powering through. Even mm-hmm. though you have these questions, you just keep powering through because now you've got all these people who think you're this. Right. And you can't, like... And then you find yourself regurgitating yes. all the things that people said to you. And yeah. now you're telling someone who's barely younger than you. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh. I, already I, just, <laughs> I just... There are times when I thank the universe for that we weren't sued or I mean I just I cringe Mm. I cringe when I really think about the kind of advice Mm. during that time period as a barely out of teenager hood person um this I'm pretty sure I advised at some point some kids to get off of their like depression medication because like you don't need depression medication mm-hmm. you just need jesus like yeah. I w- and i really really believed it and and knowing what i know now of course i i just mm-hmm. gosh. but i think you you hit the nail on the head with this idea of we regurgitated it mm-hmm. because it wasn't i don't know that there was ever a moment that we were actually encouraged or even allowed for that matter to have an independent thought. And yet in some ways we were actually, it was like we were held up as independent yes. thinkers, but only when we were conforming Infinite to the entire yep. group, because each of us, you know, individually, we all have a little bit of a rebel streak gro- going in us and no. never, <laughs> not us, but there was something like there that was championed, until it wasn't mm-hmm. like it was it was really like you know we're holding you up on this pedestal because mm-hmm. you are anti-culture within the overall american teenager bit and so we really are going to applaud this in you because we can shape you into this level of leadership and then at that point we expect you to be a minion because right. we groomed you we picked you out and i remember how many times during like worship or devos or any of that type of thing it was you are the cream of the crop oh, of the God. American American yeah, teenager phrase. generation. Well, back to the elitist phrase that yeah. we talked about with, you know, my backstory and everything. It's it's this sense of elitism mm-hmm. and you share it with people, but then you let them know how elite they are. Right. You know, so they need to be very thankful and very, you know, whatever. Uh, you need to recruit people into mm-hmm. your club. Yeah. Yep. And in the meantime, we're getting free labor. Yes. Oh, Not only free that. labor, we're getting labor that paid for themselves to be here because yes. we all had to raise yes. funds yes. in order to we paid. serve. And, and I'm using and, air quotes here. Yeah. And not only that, but but we are pounding into these people that it's not enough to give 100%. Mm-hmm. Oh, you have God. to give 110% yeah. because yeah. it's for God. Like, so not only... Are we working ourselves sometimes literally oh, physically physically yeah. into, the, into hospital. the hospital? Yep. Yeah. Um, but we're doing it with an incredible sense of responsibility and guilt mm-hmm. that I just if I think about my own teenagers and I'm just like oh, oh my God, I would yeah. never want to put that on them. Yeah. Right, absolutely. And I'm not a like, oh, like kids shouldn't have any responsibility. Like, no, no I understand that kids need boundaries and responsibilities and all these things but the the psychological burden mm-hmm. that manifested also in physical ways was mm-hmm. just they made it so like the world would end do you mm-hmm. know what i mean and we believed it mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um that like if you didn't carry this 
six foot wooden cross, the hundred miles. Oh, we haven't even talked about the crosswalk yet. We are <laughs> but, definitely, but yeah, we'll have I mean? to explain what, what that's all about. But yeah. before we get there, because I think that's a really fascinating piece of the story that we can really pull out. I want to talk about the self-worth issues because mm. a lot of what I'm hearing you guys talk about, you know, you mentioned the idea of validation and, and you know, drawing the equivalent now to the Instagram culture and, and the idea of the social media, the likes and, you know, all the rest mm. of it. So I want to talk about that, but also what you just hit on too, Jen, this idea of the responsibility that was placed on us and again the pedestal piece and the elitism and all the rest of it what happened for you individually by way of experiencing this kind of like pressure cooker environment that elevates a consistency of putting everything and everyone else Mm -hmm. above yourself how did that show up for you guys later in adulthood and what did you have to unlearn because I know for me that was like massive yeah are we have we unlearned it Uh, (laughs) i I think we're probably we're we're all probably still in process better well do you remember as a little kid the joi song oh yeah yeah jesus others you you know what i mean Mm -hmm. you're automatically last right yeah so that was early age yeah i feel like and then or even last in like the lineup of the like hierarchy oh it's yeah like, yeah god jesus the okay. church man everyone yeah. else and then woman yeah. yeah and then yeah yeah um, i don't know like for me what was really pivotal and i know you guys know this i've said it before was i'm um, going to massage therapy school mm. which sounds so weird but um <laughs> having been i got diagnosed with cancer and then my grandmother about a year later was diagnosed and passed away and that was just devastating mm. for me and I sort of like like pulled the emergency brake on my life and all those questions just like slammed into the windshield you know mm. what I mean yeah. for a picture because I was just like I've had all these kind of floating back here and I keep putting them in the back seat and putting them in the back seat and piling them up and now it's like I had this scare at first they thought it was sarcoma which is a very aggressive and you have a very slim chance of surviving which it turned out not to be thankfully but I thought okay if that's you know, just the idea that that could have just happened. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden my life is cut short and I'm just living with all these questions back here and I'm just living with unrest. And, Mm -hmm. and that's what caused me to sort of shift everything. And I decided to go into massage therapy school and that's a whole different culture (laughs) and incredibly evil, you know, if you grew up the way that Mm -hmm. I grew up Mm. and, but I was, in it to learn specific things and I'm getting to know these people and these people aren't evil and I'm just like and then I'm learning the physiological connection to all of these like what we used to call hyper spiritual and just to clarify when you say like the idea of being labeled as evil is it more like the The metaphysical like the new agey Mm -hmm. metaphysical space the energy the idea that energy is is a part of our lives like any of that kind of thing okay yeah I guess I should explain so when massage right up there with yoga and yes tarot cards yeah yeah Yeah. all the things that we're kind of all into right now But yeah, with massage therapy, you're touching people all the time. So Mm -hmm. you're interacting with not only their bodies, but their energy and whatever they bring into the room with them and whatever they're carrying with them. And they teach you a lot about that and how to protect yourself, how to also like acknowledge things that are happening Mm -hmm. with other people Mm -hmm. Um, because we're not therapists, but sometimes, you know, people break down and different things. So you sort of learn all of these um, coping mechanisms and, but they talk about what it is first. And that was really hard for me Mm. at first. But then they go into the physiological, like, medical base of it. 
like here's what happens when you're spending x amount of time touching another human being it creates a bond you know mm -hmm. and then i was that made sense to me and then i really started going everything i was told <laughs> wait science <laughs> hang on sense yeah i know it's like, not hang on a second terrible. yeah because i was like you and i've told that story with our other thing just telling people things that mm -hmm. i've believed and were probably incredibly hurtful and because you, you weren't given the you weren't given the freedom to say, wait, what's science? What's that? We weren't given the freedom to match up a couple of different things right. and and really see the truth when we mm -hmm. lay it out. We were just this is the only thing that right. you can look at. It's yeah. not just the only thing you can think. It's the only thing that you can actually look at. Yeah, that you can even take in information yeah. from. Yeah. Everything what about has to Egypt? fit within the narrative. Yeah, it's exactly. Not the way around. Yeah. When it came to that idea of like worthiness and in almost even teasing it out to the point of self-care, mm -hmm. I mean, because we literally worked ourselves <laughs> into yeah. physical ailments, not to mention psychological, mental, emotional, and, and not to say that that ministry was solely responsible. Right. And yet I also want to very quickly say, uh, yeah, I think mm -hmm. they kind of were <laughs> only because we didn't have the emotional maturity to know what we were really up against or what we were really in when we were in it. So, I mean, for me, I definitely, you know, I was one of the ones that had the hospital runs and mm -hmm. the, you know, like, oh, you've developed carpal tunnel. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> or, yeah. you know, like, you're oh, dehydrated. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, you're, you're only sleeping for 45 minutes a night. I don't understand why, what's the problem? You know, like yeah. all of those things, like I can trace all of that workaholic bit back to being, not only highlighted, but also, you know, we so appreciate it. Yes. In a way. That's, I was just yeah. going to say, you yep. actually get extra gold stars if you show up, you know, with an with a tube down your throat and say, I work so hard that I beat my body and make, make it, it my slave. Oh my yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So many things so that are running things. through my mind. But, yeah. uh, yes. but so what about you? Like, what was that? What? What was true for you in that moment? But then also, where did you start to like get the idea of going? Maybe this isn't the way this is supposed to go. I think that I'm I I'm trying to think back on that. I think I've always been a hard worker and I always I think I was a pretty good kid. Air quotes. Mm -hmm. Um however, in my life circumstances, family circumstances, I was in one way or another always felt that I was not a good kid. Mm. And it was incredibly frustrating for me because I was doing all the right things, but still there was suspicion and, you mm. know. And so I think I came into ministry really searching for someone to acknowledge like the hard work that I did and, and that I was an important person. And so I think that that was very, attractive to me to be able to work super hard, like work harder than like I've ever worked before and get some sort of acknowledgement that that was a good thing. Mm -hmm. I, after leaving the ministry that we were working for, I, and my husband and I actually left shortly after we got married, we had kind of decided to take a break and work on our relationship because that was another piece. It was mm. nothing was more important than working for Jesus and mm. working mm -hmm. for the ministry. So even relationship, I think we weren't prepared to go into an intimate relationship with a partner 
in a way that developed a healthy, um, just a healthy partnership. Mm -hmm. And so... And something that in and of itself was valuable as the two of you coming together mm -hmm. that had nothing to do with Absolutely. any sort of output that could be put into the ministry. Exactly. And so, I mean, I struggled. I, I, we had our first child pretty shortly after we got married. In fact, I think I was pregnant. Yeah, I was pregnant by our first anniversary. So we had kids real fast. And anyone who has been a parent and particularly, I think particularly at least at this point in time, a mom, you know, babies are very needy. Kids are very needy. There's there are sometimes you have to you do put yourself last mm -hmm. out of necessity for this like small creature that's completely helpless. Right. And so um yeah, I went through I I think I it was difficult. I went through a very hard time uh, when my older two kids were very small. I still struggle with aspects of mental illness, um, anxiety, depression, things like that. I was taught that medicating for those things mm. was wrong and it wasn't trusting God. And I think I still kind of held on to some of that uh, residual belief. But I think that the, the turning point for me came uh, at a time when I, we call it the great mental breakdown of, <laughs> I don't even remember what year it was, <laughs> but uh, we refer to it as like the California trip where Jen <laughs> lost her mind. <laughs> and I had a... Where Jen found her mind. Well, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I had just been in such a dark place and I went to visit another one of my best friends who at the time was living in California. And this was something that I tried to do every year to go for the weekend, hang out, go to the beach. I love the beach. It's my, my place. And this particular trip, I was so drained. I was so devoid of like even emotion yeah. that while I was there, um, one of her therapists that she was working with said, like, she called me on my bullshit. <laughs> she was like, <laughs> Yeah, I'm not buying any of your bullshit. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm I'm doing okay. I'm mm. like, I have to make sure that no one knows like that I'm struggling. And she called me on it, and she was like, I, what if you just don't go home? And I was like, what? <laughs> I'm leaving tomorrow morning on a plane. I can't just not go home. Um, but at the end of the day, I ended up staying. I extended my trip by like a week or so. It wasn't obnoxiously long, but for somebody with small kids, wait, was it only a week? It was 10 days. <laughs> no, I just felt like it was like three weeks. Oh, it felt like three weeks. Well, John mm -hmm. called me. Oh, yeah. Because he was panicking. <laughs> yeah. So what that did for me, though, it was a, that was a moment in time. And I remember taking a picture. It was before digital cameras. <laughs> I remember taking a picture. I had written, like, clarity mm. on the beach and taking a picture of it. And I'm like, that's what I need. Like, I mm. need clarity. And very, very shortly after I got home, um, I started going to therapy. First, my husband and I started to go to couples therapy. And very, I mean, I would just come in and cry <laughs> the whole session. And she's like, maybe we could work on some individual things with you, Jen. <laughs> and that's kind of where this idea of self-care, um, making time for clearing my head. You know, it's hard being a mom. It's hard to do all these things. And I think that I felt like I needed to do that. Like, what's wrong with me that mm. I can't 
do all these things. You know, I was held to such a standard working within ministry and I was able to do that. But mm-hmm. when you add that family piece and that partner piece, it really throws you for, I, for me, it threw me for a loop. And well, I feel so, like there's another level of intimacy exactly. that's there that's not in, in the ministry world. And we're all told that right. it's there, but it's really just, it's mislabeled. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, it's not truly intimate family mm-hmm. when you compare that with literally the person you married and the children that you had together. Yeah. Like the, they're not it's the same thing. intimacy. Well, yeah. let me just and say. And that's a whole, oh. Sorry. <laughs> well, we have like five different things I want to say. No, but I just, on that forced intimacy, we see so many stories in the media of these massive church leaders, ministry leaders having affairs because they're not spending the time that they need with their families, mm-hmm. but they're having all of these like intimate moments mm-hmm. with the people that they're, you know, in the ministry I mean, with. Yeah, and that could be a piece of it for sure. Yeah, I just... That's what I, I've talked about with my story. That was one of the things that I saw. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I have this family here, but, like, everyone's telling me I still need to be spending all my time yeah. on this. And, yeah. So I have two things that I wanted to say about that. One, back to the self-worth, self-care mm-hmm. piece. I, I don't think I was ever told that it was okay. Like, self-care as even a word, like mm-hmm. a phrase, I had never heard before. And I don't think that I was told that that's okay first Mm, of all yeah and second of all necessary Mm -hmm. and so that was the first thing the second thing that I've realized as I've kind of come through like I have you you people who are my people but I realized that a lot of the friends that I had within that ministry I, I, I thought I was really good at making friends. Here's where it all comes down. I thought I was really good at making friends. And as an adult, as I've tried to come out of my uh, comfort zone and make friends with other people outside of that, it's fair. I, I'm, I'm just like, wait, why doesn't everybody just want to be my friend? <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, I have to like, I have to make a conscious effort mm. to put time into developing a relationship because in ministry you're just intimately yeah just instantly your deepest darkest secrets like crying with them at the altar Mm -hmm. whatever it is and it it creates a false sense of intimacy Mm -hmm. so it's forced it's false and when that when you take that away Mm -hmm. it's kind Mm -hmm. of like it's it's circumstantial and, it and situational, yes. and it doesn't it doesn't give us the long term. And I never thought of it like that. And I'm so glad that you said that. Because just I'm looking, the last two years, I've that's been dawning on me. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at my life, and I'm like, well, on top of that, I had the I moved you know like 16 times before I graduated high school. Yeah. Like I always had this idea of oh, it's it's been 10 months. It's time for me to pack up and move. So I was pulling away from people, even though I was physically still in the same location put it all together with this idea of, yeah, that's how I spent, what, like six years of my life? Uh, that makes a lot yes, of sense. I know. It's, it's kind of <laughs> crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Well, when we were in the other ministry, do you remember I wrote like this course because um, I was teaching the dance you know, mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want it to just be dance. Like I want us to be like learning things too. So we extended it and it was like two hours and the first like 45 minutes was this That's course that I wrote and it yeah. was on love. And I had a chapter in there that was about loving yourself because of that verse, you know, love your neighbor Mark 12, 12, 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mark 12, <laughs> 30 through 31. Um, 
Oh my gosh. I know, it right? It just never goes away. It keeps happening to it me. I totally away. get that. The look on your face right there was priceless. I'm like, well, I, I just remember that. that. It's like I just said, fuck it, like family dinner. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I had a thing. And it, it dawned on me then when I was writing this little course that I put together just for this purpose that, wait a minute, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Which means yeah. we're supposed to actually love ourselves. Nice. Da -da -da. Yeah. But funny how nobody ever told us that. I know. And then people would cite that scripture and say, see, you're last. But then when you read it, you're not. Right. Because exactly. Because it's indicating that the, the litmus that you use to be able to do that for everyone else is to mm -hmm. love yourself. Mm -hmm. So really, Where you're supposed starts. to love yourself yeah. first. And I had this whole epiphany like moment and I remember like sharing the material and they were like, can you take that part out? Mm. That sounds a little new agey does. Yeah. Right. It sounds a little humanistic. Uh, mm -hmm. Yes. And then they didn't want it to like lead into, you know, sexual things for the teenagers like and whatever. love. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's not what I meant at all. You know what I mean? Right. And it was very brief. I was just like, wow, we need to learn to love ourselves because I was just just the tip of the tiny like tip of the iceberg starting to realize that like I don't have a very good sense of self-worth you know mm. maybe I should what does that even mean like it was very mm -hmm. very new but yeah I had to take it out hmm. wow. I know well it's like you spend so much time learning that you are only worth the only thing that's that's worthwhile in you is Jesus mm. and so as that piece started mm. to go away, what are you left with? Oh, yeah, that's true. it's very, it's a, it's a, a mind fuck. Yeah, it really to, is. To put it very bluntly. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's even like just putting it very succinctly. Also, you <laughs> mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like on so many levels, mm -hmm. on so many layers, on so many levels, in so many different applications. There was something I think that came to our very core as individuals of, okay, put this piece off and now who am I in this idea of identity? And, you know, I, again, <laughs> on so if, many levels. Yeah. Cause even yeah, if you're a good identity. person, don't mm -hmm. you remember? Like, it doesn't matter if you're a good person, right. you're still going to go to hell if you don't accept Jesus. Oh so it's just God. like, that is, that was the only thing, the mm -hmm. only thing that gave you any worth. The only thing that was standing between you and eternal suffering <laughs> forever mm -hmm. without it, you know? And so, yeah, it's just, you know, it was a big turning point for me too. And I don't know if this happened for you was going to Israel because mm -hmm. the first time we went, I don't think Schindler's list was out the first time we went, Okay, but I knew about the Holocaust or whatever, but I do remember one of the first, performances that we did somebody was asking questions you know because afterwards you're supposed to talk to everyone about god and everything and somebody was asking questions and said what about the holocaust and i was like uh, you know i didn't really have an answer and i had multiple discussions later about it because there's all these people who would say god has a plan you know what mm. i mean everything's in god's plan kind of a thing and i froze and i i heard other people that were like on our team saying things like that. And I remember inside cringing, like I am not going to look at these mm. people and tell them that 6 million of their people being slaughtered was mm. part of God's plan. There is a different answer for this, you mm -hmm. know, or maybe the answer is I don't know the answer and right. that's okay too. And that just hit me so strongly because we had such close friends 
um, that were from Israel even before we went for the first time and then going back and forth so many times it was just it became so clear like wait a minute this mm. philosophy does not fit for all cultures yeah and that doesn't make sense because if Jesus really is the answer mm -hmm. for everyone why right. wouldn't it fit with this culture especially the Jewish culture I right mean, come yeah. On. <laughs> yeah exactly and it's so funny I, like as you said there was something in the verbiage you just used that I immediately thought back to that class that w was required for us at the 1040 window and the the perspectives on the world thank you I yeah. was like what was it yeah but just mm -hmm. there was something in the way that you said that about like people groups I think is what um, what it was and I was like um, wow, I haven't thought about that in like 20 years. No. And so that just came, came right back. Came crashing back. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Yeah. I hadn't even really thought about you guys went on to the secondary ministry that, that we keep referring to and don't mention the name of. Um, and I went on to ORU and my conclusion of ORU was marrying my kid's dad and they, his parents were minister or were missionaries. Mm. And so you know, just they were very into the whole 1040 window and the unreached people groups and, and all the rest of it. So like that just brought back another decade worth of, of information there in my head. Where's the wine? Why don't we bring the wine? Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, I, I'm loving the lattes, Jen. They are amazing. You do make killer lattes. Oh, However, we may need alcohol soon um, because that's just the way that's just the way these conversations go. <laughs> okay, so tell me more about what life was like for you guys in that second ministry because you both like heart and soul you guys gave everything about oh that's kind of funny <laughs> yep i just saw what i did there anyway um <laughs> sorry i can't i cannot I unpack that cannot. so you're just gonna have to <laughs> roll with me here folks DM us. Um, yeah <laughs> we'll fill you in offline um but just this idea of like you know it was all encompassing for you mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. and i think that even the first internship was the same the same as well mm -hmm. and it's funny to me well, because we, we use like that. the same we use the same phrases for certain things and mm -hmm. you notice like we call it the internship mm -hmm. or the ministry like yeah. we know what we meant because we know what we yes, experienced that's true but it is very much like it's not just the thing it's not the organization it's that moment in time it's who we were it's who we were around it's what we did mm -hmm. it's just all of it it's its own monster it's its own entity mm -hmm. i feel like you know what i'm saying it's we were in it. Yeah. When yeah. people say when I when I use the phrase internship, it's funny that you say that because people are like, You did an internship? Right. And it means something <laughs> yeah. different to me yes. than it does to pretty much everyone else in the world. <laughs> exactly. So professionally yeah. I would have actually really liked to have done one exactly. of their internships because I never nobody ever told me that was a thing until literally like this the summer before my senior year. Mm -hmm. So in other words, in the time that was my very last opportunity to actually do a professional college career type internship, mm -hmm. that's when I found out what they were. Like yeah. tell they just me hijacked the word. Right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so but what okay. was that like for you guys, you know, being in it and what was your, how did you like unravel? Like what, where was the moment of, I don't think this is where I need to be right now. And what did that look like to come back out of it again? That's a good question. Mm -hmm. And it was probably different times for it the was, two of us. Yeah. Yeah. I got the impression got that first. it was different for both of you. <laughs> uh, yeah, she did. She led the way, paved the road. Um, well, the we, troublemaker. in a lot of ways we recreated our, yeah. internship experience in this ministry. They uh -huh. even started calling it 
Yeah. Interns. They started they calling us called, the interns. Yeah, they still called us interns. Oh, yeah. wow. Yes, yes um, they did. And there were definitely massive aspects that we were running. Uh -huh. So we weren't really, but we, we had come from that, and they, we were just the interns, or Jen and I, yes. And we recreated it in the fact that we lived in and then worked in. Uh -huh. And basically, they would make sure that there were groceries and, you know, and we had a place to live and everything like that. But eventually we did get like smaller jobs. Yeah. Jobs, yeah. yeah. Um, but and they were always disposable. Well. Yeah, that's true. We did take some college mm -hmm. courses and stuff like that, too. They made, they made time was, for that because they were very big on education. But it just kind of added to our already insane Act. workload. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Because yeah. it wasn't that, oh, like, let's pull back on your part of your job is to hang out with teenagers at Denny's until four in the morning, like you mm. need to be their family because their family has rejected them and they're here looking for God and you need to be there for them. And I mean, and, <laughs> and so on top of that, we had part-time jobs. Right. And then mm. on top of that, we were taking classes because yeah. Lord forbid that mm. you, but everything else in life was disposable. So that was mm -hmm. the key to it all mm -hmm. is that if now we're requiring you to mm -hmm. we picked up some extra tours because we were both in the music and the dance mm -hmm. you know part and we started touring for a little bit mm -hmm. which was very interesting going back to that like celebrity piece because sometimes we pull up places and people would have like homemade signs <laughs> was after me. oh was it yeah oh yeah was that was me. so weird i was like we are not the backstreet boys I don't know what <laughs> but but yeah like if there was something new that we were developing, mm -hmm. you drop everything else. You yeah. just have to tell your boss or you can just get another job. It's fine. You know what mm. I mean? And it was it was immersive. Mm -hmm. And yeah. interestingly enough, I think that's where it started unraveling for me. Because I just, I couldn't, I, I just was not able to physically. I thought it was when you started dating John. Because he was. That was you, around the same time. Okay. Cause and he was met. just like. He, he was a professional and he worked an office job. Yeah. He was like the first like real job outside person. person. <laughs> <laughs> air quote, Sign air quote. From the outside. Yeah. Yeah. So he would show up and volunteer when he wanted to, but he had this sort of autonomy. They'd be yeah. like, hey, John, can you do this? And he would go, mm, no, I'm busy. Yeah, no. And, and we were all like, what? Oh, Wait, you can say no? You're allowed to do that? Right. John said no. Yeah, but then she would yeah. go hang out with him, and then she was gone a little bit more, and so she was able fault. to say no. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I just yeah. wanted to be like, oh, so, so now Jen yeah. says no, too? You know? I just, I mean, there were some situations that we will definitely not get into on a public forum, <laughs> but that were dramatic enough that it was like, Hold on. Mm. There is something very toxic mm. and very unhealthy about this dynamic here. And, you know, a lot of it had to do with leadership and student leaders and people who were voicing their concerned concerns about things and not being listened to. And I think that was the be that was kind of the beginning of the end. Um, being, I think... I can blame John for this as well. <laughs> um, he, in a good way, he was probably the first person who questioned this unquestion, unquestioning sort of allegiance that mm. I had to the ministry. And so if I was like, oh, I, you know, I'm in charge of this aspect, he, he would say, well, what exactly does that entail? He was a business person. Mm-hmm. What does this entail? Like, what are your actual 
well, I just kind of do what they tell me to do. <laughs> like, <laughs> what are the expectations? Mm-hmm. And that is actually how we how we ended up leaving was we got married and wanted to like work on a relationship. And we came back to the leadership and said, we would love, because we always, we always had a connection with young adults and teenagers. And we said, we would love to be involved, you know, after this brief period of time that we're going to take for our relationship. Um, what specifically, what job would you like us to do? And they were like, just run with the adult young adult program and we're like okay that sounds great now what specifically does that mean mean? (laughs) and my big joke is that we're still waiting for them to respond to that (laughs) and I think that they felt very abandoned by us I think that it felt like we sort of just left everyone hanging I know that there were young adults and kids that felt like that but an interesting thing happened around that time is that because we were kind of deviating from the expected, all of a sudden we would have people show up at our door and, and they just wanted to talk. Mm -hmm. And to be honest with you, I tend to play a little bit of devil's advocate. Like I, my, my sign is a very, like, it's like the two sides like pulling. And so I always kind of want, I think you probably, relate to that a little bit. Um, I want balanced Mm -hmm. perspective. I don't want to just, I don't know. I I don't want to just throw the blame on a one party. And so I would often be saying things such as, well, you know, I'm sure that their intentions were good, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that. But people would show up and we kind of became known as the house of like, the house of broken dreams, <laughs> you know, young adults, young, the young adult leaders would show up just to like talk about stuff. Cause they weren't really allowed to talk mm-hmm. freely and to say the things that, they, that just didn't seem right. And yeah. so that was our transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that was our transition. We were demonized. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a certain family member that came to, uh, came to work after we were gone and they, they were warned specifically against us not to get involved with us because it was, we were, who knows, who knows why, but we were the ones that were kind of like the black sheep and, and, you know, it's interesting though, like we, we poured a lot of that energy that we had had towards the ministry into actual people Mm -hmm. (laughs) and in a way that we weren't restricted by. Right. Mm-hmm. the narrative that we had to like conform to. Well, and when you look at the definition of ministry, that's exactly what you continued, but one that resonated with who you were mm-hmm. fully mm-hmm. as yeah. opposed to what you were told to say or be or whatever the case mm-hmm. might be. So, you know, it's interesting because I think that sometimes the environment that we were all in, again, ministry was this elevated thing and it was, mm-hmm. you know, this, goal and Mm -hmm. the end all be all. And really in reality, what ministry means is doing life together and valuing those relationships and investing in those people. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what you continue to do. And, you know, here there's this cultural implication Mm -hmm. of, well, you're no longer saying what we want you to say. Therefore, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not affiliated with you. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it's so interesting where it's like, how many times has that happened where, you know, we hold and out this idea. To, yeah. Being able to 
not know the answers to questions. Yes. That was the biggest thing was being so like, freeing. I don't yeah. know. And I don't and have it's to okay know. to not know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think, um, I'm always, I'm always sort of a little envious of their exodus because they had a partnership in that, you know, she was able to discuss things with John mm. and sort of work, walk through that right. with him. And I felt like when I finally started to come to my senses, and it was funny because there were people who were like, "You do you still hang out with Jen and John? I'm like, well, yeah. They swear, don't they swear? <laughs> I remember that comment being made to me, and I was like, okay. You know, it's even though I wasn't at the point where I was Fanners. like, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't like dropping all the F-bombs yet, but I still was like, I don't think it's that big of a deal, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so when I started shifting my thoughts, and by the time the cancer thing had happened, they had been out of the ministry for a while. And I had been, I was like less than I used to be, but I still had this sense of like responsibility and like guilt mm -hmm. and was still, they'd call up and be like, can you help us with this thing? And I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know? And um, I was still doing, I was still involved enough. I didn't have like a constant presence, but I was still involved enough. And then I started questioning everything after the cancer, but I was alone in that, which is mm. a big piece of what led to the dissolution of mm. my marriage. Yeah. Because it was constantly like, why are you doing this? Yeah. Why are you doing this to us? Why are you doing this to yourself? Mm. Why are you, you know what I mean? Why yeah. So just to clarify, in case anybody didn't catch that connection, you were married at the time, but yes. your husband was very much bought in to yeah. the entire religious experience right. as opposed to, you know, as you're working through the thought process and the questioning right. and all the rest of it, you are totally in on your own yeah. in that space mm. in well, the context of being in a partnership, right. which really wasn't a partnership because we could both talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I remember saying to him, I'm like, can't you just give me the space to ask the questions and figure out my own answers? And I even said, it was funny because I was like, I'll probably come to the same conclusion mm. because I couldn't imagine <laughs> at the time, I still couldn't imagine a different answer, right, you know? right. but I was like, I'll probably come to the same conclusion, but what's the problem with me trying to figure out mm -hmm. where it is I actually stand? Mm -hmm. And it was so like divisive. I mean, I got talked to not just by him, but his parents stepped mm -hmm. in, you know, it was, it was like a massive under, and, and I should also qualify. Care that... about you, and we just really see. Right. Oh, did you guys get? I from my in laws, I got the. We are the spiritual parents, and we are the watchmen on the tower, and it is our responsibility to let you know. This was because we decided to only have two children. Well, yours are stronger personalities oh, than mine. That th this is why we had this whole spiritual intervention conversation is because I didn't want eight children. Oh, God. No more arrows in your quiver. No. Yeah. Can you believe that I, got... I actually had the balls to make that decision? Yeah. Jezebel! Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. That was, sorry, a, that was a terrible you. moment. Yeah, I was going to say sorry to interrupt, but no, I'm like, I as got... you're saying that, I'm like, I totally resonate. Well, they, mine were more the, here's a book. You know, mm. they were like, we're not going to have the extensive talk with you, but here's a book you should read to give you the idea. The more passive aggressive route. Right. And then, yeah. Boy, well, passive aggressive was like such a so thing, huge, though. Yeah. Between the passive aggressive style of communication and pretty much everything <laughs> and the codependency, you yes. know, like we talked about the fa false intimacy and the forced intimacy. Boy, that goes hand in hand yes, with does. codependency. Mm -hmm. For sure. Which, of course, prevents us from the aforementioned self-care right. and the connection with ourselves and be able to know right. what it means to experience that love so that we have mm -hmm. any sort of healthy balance with which to evaluate if someone is a good influence mm -hmm. on us or not. Exactly. Like, funny how incredibly interconnected this all yes. is, and it all yes. comes back to the same revelations the entire time. Yeah. Yep. 
And I mean, how dare you ask, which is what I was doing at the time. How dare you ask, what is it that I actually believe? Mm. You know what I mean? I wasn't like, that's the thing. I wasn't going on benders. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't like doing tons of drugs. You know, I, this is just me sitting there going, hang on. Do I really want to give my life to this? Mm. I wasn't even questioning God, the existence of God. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I wasn't even questioning faith. In yeah, general. it wasn't the theology you were questioning. No. It was the application of it in yeah. that mm-hmm. particular environment. I was like, I have two little kids. I just had a massive cancer scare and I just lost my grandmother. Is this how I want to spend the rest of my days? Because to be perfectly frank, being in ministry kept me from being able to visit my mm. grandmother as much as I wanted to. And that was very real to me and fresh to me at the time because it was like, well, we're doing this and then this and then this. So maybe you can go at this time if you're able to, Mm. if we get a replacement or if we're, it was always that first. In fact, I changed my wedding date because they were like, if you, if you, I always wanted to get married in August because my name is August and I don't have anything going on in August because my birthday's not then. And so I always wanted to get married in August. And they said, you can't get married in August because we do all of our mission trips over the summer. And that will mean you'll need to stay back to plan your wedding. So we need you to get married before all the mission trips. And then part of your honeymoon can be the mission trips. I remember that. That's what we did. And that's what we did. So it was just like when I say immersive, it was immersive. Mm -hmm. The choices were all someone else's, it seemed. And I'm not saying that as blame because I allowed it. You know what I mean? I didn't pause enough but the moment that I started to like like you guys were talking about I didn't have that other person going okay yeah let's have a discussion let's talk about mm-hmm. this or anything it was just it, no it yeah. oddly almost kept us in a de- in a childlike mm. dependence mm-hmm. phase I think you know in one hand the the ministry we were in all together that to me was like a step into a sort of independence like we weren't living with a parent like mm-hmm. I wasn't living with a parent I was living in an apartment with five other girls and we were responsible for grocery shopping and making mm-hmm. sure we had toilet paper and <laughs> that was sort of a step obviously that went away in later years but for that was a step into independence mm-hmm. but then yeah it, it was kind of like we will tell you what you're allowed to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not yeah. really an adult. Yeah. Like you're not allowed to drink. You're not allowed to swear. You're not mm-hmm. allowed to date. You're not allowed to, yeah. um, there's these things that you're not allowed to do. And we're going to put adult responsibilities on you, but we're not going to allow you to make mistakes as an adult. We're mm-hmm. not going to allow you to mm-hmm. essentially no, be an adult. Right? Yeah. There is no soft place to fall no. because there right. is nowhere to fall. Right. There is no grace. So let's talk about grace for a second mm-hmm. because that was held up as this value mm-hmm. that we were supposed to not only give freely to others, but, you know, grace was really supposed to be part of our character. Mm-hmm. For me, making the decision to separate from my kid's dad and go through the whole divorce process and all the rest of it, I didn't know what grace meant until I had to give it to myself mm-hmm. in the yeah. post-divorce recovery process. Mm-hmm. And it, it went like literally, what was that, 32, 33, somewhere in that time frame mm-hmm. was when I first started to figure out, oh, this whole grace thing, like that actually, again, it starts for me. Mm-hmm. I need to give it to myself. And again, let's reference the workaholic, the people-pleasing, the perfectionist. All of those things mm-hmm. were held up as admirable qualities. Yes. 
within the context of the ministry. Yes, it was. And so then as you peel all of that back and now go through this whole like life altering decision to end a marriage that supposedly God had ordained, which let me not even get started on that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean like the just the so many levels to again, like who we are in and of ourselves and then how we show up for each other. So, you know, again, I'm like so grateful that we've all been in this together. I wouldn't wish any of this on anybody. Mm-hmm. And yet I'm grateful for the true community, the true intimacy that we've been able to not only experience, but maintain by choosing to do so. Like at some point in time, any of the three of us had to choose to stay invested in these relationships that we share yes. and that we've now created for our kids. And, you know, there will come a time where they will have to actually choose are you going to make the effort and stay in touch? And, you know, all that kind of stuff right now, they just kind of have to come along for the ride. Um, (laughs) But, you know, really it's, I think the choice that we each have to play here, that's something that we were never given. We had to find out what that meant, what it really meant as an adult to choose what we believe, who we are, who we associate with, like all of those different things. We didn't get that until like our thirties. Yeah. Which is, you it know, feels late. it feels late. <laughs> yeah. It does. And yet, you know, we've had the conversation before too. Like on one hand, thank God we were so sheltered yeah. because especially the three of us, who knows what kind of mayhem we could have gone to. I think I did some of that in my thirties. <laughs> like I, I was making it for a lost time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fascinating to me, you know, when we really peel it all back and be mm-hmm. like, yeah, so that happened. And, and really to be able to say like, what exactly did happen? Mm-hmm. And how did that shape who we all are now? Yeah. Well, and looking back, it's so funny to me because it's like, you know, they always say about hindsight or whatever, but it feels, it has the feel of like a cloud lifting, mm. you know, like I was moving about in this cloud and it's not horrible. Like clouds seem, you know what I mean? <laughs> Fluffy or whatever, but it just is like clarity. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It just feels like there was this it started to lift and all of a sudden it was like my, my inhales were fresher mm. and you know, there was some clarity and then you can't, you can't go back. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can't. Un-see. And that's what was difficult. Like for me at that point, it was like, okay, I could choose. I was very conscious. I could choose and I probably would have an okay life. Mm-hmm. I could choose to stay in this marriage. I could choose to the stay red, in this ministry. Red pill or the blue pill. Right. right. <laughs> exactly. Like, and, but once you've gotten like some clarity and some fresh air, I mean, why would you want to go back to, does anybody else have the Bible first going through their head about Jesus and the veil and the whole idea of like the veil is lifted and I forget where it is, oh. but like somewhere in the new Testament, but I can't tell you how many times there are things that we're talking about that we've experienced in the not religious environment mm-hmm. that I can still back up with scripture. Oh, that's true. Because oh, it's yeah. like it, the idea of like all of this being labeled new age and thrown into a box and don't touch any of this, like your own intuition, that doesn't mean anything, you know, that's just the Holy spirit or like, right. you know, I'm like going, actually, I think it's kind of all the same thing. You know, I, I realize I might get struck down by lightning, according to some people, you know, by, by saying certain things now, but like, it's all, it's there all are, the same thing. There <laughs> are a lot of very universal principles in, yeah. in mm-hmm. Christian scripture. scripture. Like, yes. I feel like any religious text has, religious or spiritual text has elements that contain truth because because there's still experiences yeah, the core also. of it is still exactly. the truth. Yeah, exactly. We're all just humans on this planet. So, so 
I would definitely not say, oh, there's, you know, it's all garbage. There's nothing in there. Mm -hmm. So there are these principles that are very Mm -hmm. um, true. But like you said, when you, when the paradigm shift happens, then all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's probably what that meant. Yeah. Like the still still small voice is, is actually our inner wisdom and that's okay. Like that is how we're built. Right. So, well, okay. So this is fun because how I described religion to my partner who was exposed at an early age, but then given the choice and so didn't have to like grow up in it through the formative years and everything. I said, it's basically sort of a way of outsourcing. (laughs) And and he, he just like chuckled about that, but it is, it's a way to outsource your joy. You outsource your pain, right? You're outsourcing your intuition. Mm -hmm. You outsource everything. So essentially, again, back to the self-worth, self-care situation, you're not really, um, first of all, taking responsibility, like full responsibility um, for things. But secondary, you're not tuned into yourself. You are constantly outsourcing everything. Like your joy is outsourced to God. The pain is outsourced to the devil. Mm -hmm. And all you're responsible for is believing that all that bullshit. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would go so far as to say that I firmly believe that we were systemically divided from ourselves, Mm -hmm. like from a theology perspective, from the day to day being in the ministry environments, we were taught not to rely on the warning systems within our bodies that were telling all three of us, you are overworking, you're overextended yourself, whatever the case might be. When I look back, I'm like, there's no way that I should have continued that same kind of, you know, whether it was the schedule or the workload or any of those things. And yet, boy, did I, and, and what kind of a system did that create for myself later? So yeah, like I just, I really feel, feel very firmly that the idea that if they, and ah, I get hung up on this because like, I don't want to say or imply that somebody was sitting in a control room, like, you know, the right. man behind the curtain. Right, right. Yeah. I don't think it was intentional. And yet somewhere along the line, I have to wonder, did someone, someone, I'm not trying to point specific names, was there ever a realization of here's how we can manipulate the situation? Oh, yeah. Here's how we can maximize mm-hmm. productivity. Of years ago. Yeah, and it's like, but then we just <laughs> continued the narrative. Yeah, it's like who? Why? Why didn't anybody see this happening? So you mentioned something earlier about the idea of you know we all kind of have finally gotten to the point of being able to say hey, I think we were in a cult. Like, you know, and just going, it, it took me some time. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Like, you know, like we literally, I, we're around the dinner like table the other night. And yeah, like we're talking about this with our kids. I mean, literally this just happened the night before last. And we had to Google what a cult was <laughs> to say like going, well, yeah, yeah, I guess when you're reading it to that definition, okay, fine. If we were in a cult. you're all specific about it. Right. But we, <laughs> check, we didn't check, know. Like, we check. didn't have no. any sort of frame of reference. And, you know, what was that all about? We knew that other people thought we were in a cult. I don't know if you... Yeah. I, I, I thought that, that a lot. I, I don't know that I did. I, we oh. got that a couple of times. And I remember hearing You're that. in the bubble, and the bubble yeah. is this, you know, bad thing See? that you're sheltered in. I, I got that a lot. We were like, like, yeah, we made a bubble. We made a bubble full of Jesus. <laughs> and you should be so lucky to be in this bubble. You're out of the 
level. Yeah. See, it's not, here's it's where incubator. I'm getting this, like, really sinking yes. suspicion. <laughs> that I'm, yeah, like, incubator. Like, that I'm going, like, I, nobody ever told me that. Really? Which makes me kind of think that maybe my bubble was just a little bit bigger and it lasted I mean, for a little bit longer. We did go to R.E.M. I did. But I think even going back, like, I remember, and I, I know I've mentioned this story on the podcast before, but I remember at age four going to Sunday school and the Sunday school teacher saying, bring your unsaved friends to Sunday school because we want them to know Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking and being so confused at age four going, I'm not allowed to have any unsaved friends. I don't understand the rub. Yep. And there you go. So I'm like, when I really sit there and look, I'm like, I didn't have anyone in my world Mm -hmm. that could say, are you sure about this? Because everybody drank the Kool-Aid. Right. Everybody drank the Kool-Aid. Well, and then I had issues later on when we started doing all the missions trips, I started to really prefer the work trips because I felt like we're going into these cultures these people need shoes. You know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. it was just really hard for me to stand there and talk to you about Jesus. As much as I still drank the Kool-Aid and believed that would make your life better. I still very much believed in the practical application Mm -hmm. of things, which of course led later on into me being the health coach and like that kind of (laughs) things. Um, But like, I still very much more appreciated the trips that I took where we were building a structure for the town or we were doing something tangible. Like, yes, we care about helping you. And I was the least likely person on the team, even when I was in leadership to like do the Jesus conversation. Like, you know how at the end of the day they would be like, how many people did you pray with? Mm -hmm. And for me, it'd be like zero or maybe one, you know what I'm saying? And there's these people like eight, I prayed with eight people, you know? And I lined them up and I just went down the road. I know. And yeah. for me, it was just like, I'm having conversations with people, you know, mm-hmm. I'm letting them talk about whatever it is they want to talk about. And I'm trying to like be there for people, which yeah. made me automatically like, not quite, out. yeah, yeah. Not quite. yeah. Cause just listening is not like that wasn't to a degree. Mm-hmm. You can listen to a degree, but only to the point where you have an opening to be mm-hmm. able to tell them how their life is not fulfilling enough. It's empty and it's hollow. Empty and hollow. Yes. Yeah. 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 It is crazy. Like how, as we're talking about this being 20 years later and you know, I can finish your sentence because I know what you were told because I was told the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, whoa, that programming is still there. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, thinking about that as each of us are parents, then how it relates to how we framed spirituality for our kids. Because I know all three of us parent very, 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 very differently than the way that we were raised, especially when it comes to spirituality. And it's just, it's fascinating to me, kind of when you like throw it all out on the table and see, see what's really there. And to try to actually work against the, the programming and the things that we were conditioned to believe or conditioned to repeat. And I remember, I don't know if you guys remember this, I think it was maybe two years ago. And I sent you both a like complete frantic text because I was having a conversation with my daughter about swimsuits and it was just like, Oh my gosh, I don't know what to tell her. Like I said something and it was exactly what I was told. And I was like, I don't, I don't want that for her. And then like, I went to a total spiral and you guys had to bring me back from that moment of like, I, I, I didn't want to continue that narrative yeah. of 
it's up to you as the girl in the situation to be responsible for the boys reactions mm -hmm. or their behavior or any of those other things and by goodness gracious you do not need to wear a t-shirt over your bathing suit because that's how I grew up mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know like going how do we how do we break the cycle and again have that very uh, intentional moment with ourselves first to like check in and be balanced before we then turn around and give counsel to our kids yeah. um so yeah even that has been very interesting or like when i get i will get heated about something and the kids are like all right mom <laughs> You know? And like they don't get obviously why right, right, you don't right. have the baggage. So why are you just chill? Like you know, which I think that means we've we've done something right if they don't so. have the baggage. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. I hope so too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm worried about end. mine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but mine still have the other half. Mm, that's true of influence, yeah. and it's I'm I'm just hoping to balance to give them mm. the options. Like yeah. okay, okay, that environment is great. They have great friends. So that's that cool. also becomes something that you have to practice what you preach, though, mm. so to speak, yeah. because in a sense, what if what if our children or any of our children decide, like, mm -hmm. I, I want to be oh, I an evangelical Christian, like I want to get baptized and I want to like <sighs> there are so many things, you know, can you be a lady of the night? Like, please, like, choose something else. <laughs> but if I truly am going lady to be of authentic. The night. Oh, that was, that, this was an earlier conversation, yeah, a conversation about that, that Scrabble. my 10 year old asked what a whore was, and, and I should have just said a lady of the night, this, anyway, and just digression, digression, see, I'm telling you guys, we should have been recording yeah. the entire weekend, because there's so much that goes so much along fun. with that, but, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right, yeah, and saying, that you know what, if that is your choice, like, if that's something that you've you've yeah. looked into and it's something that resonates with you like i, I support yeah. you in mm -hmm. that i have my misgivings but and also i think something that we've probably done as parents that i don't remember being done for myself was saying i was wrong mm. or i don't oh, know yeah yeah I mean, I have, there's been so many moments in parenting these kids where I have to come back and say, that was completely inappropriate of me. Mm -hmm. No one should ever treat you like that. No one should make you feel that way. And I'm sorry. Yeah. And so I, I think that that's also kind of part of that the culture is like, mm -hmm. you always have to have an answer. Yeah. Make sure you have an answer for everything. Make sure that. You know, don't mm -hmm. let them see you sweat. Right. And, and that you are always right. And there is no other mm -hmm. variance exactly. other than what you say because you are the authority. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So that's been a huge. And I think, I mean, I hope that that is a piece of why our kids have turned out pretty great. Because we're all just kind of like, yeah, we're just kind of figuring this out yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we're going to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like. Well, I had an interesting conversation with my oldest, and this was a couple of years ago. So he was 15, like 14-ish in there about um, Fifty Shades of Grey, <laughs> which I did not tell him like what my thoughts were, but a song popped up from the movie. Mm -hmm. And I just had like the music playing, my phone was somewhere else. And he was like, oh my goodness, this song. And he like made a really big deal of getting up to change it. And I'm like, what? what? I like that song. You know, and it wasn't like a sexual song even. I don't even remember which one it was, but it was one of the main songs that was popular right after the movie came out. And I haven't seen the movie. Um, 
But I was like, why don't you like that song? And then I looked and saw what it was. And he's like, it's it's a bad song. Yes. Yeah, so I'm immediately like, hold on. We need to unpack this, which is another one of those Ugh, mom situations. But but we, I started asking him questions like, why is it a bad song? Well, do you know what it's from? I'm like, do you know what it's from? <laughs> you know? So I'm trying to figure this out. Of course, come to that grandpa who always takes it upon himself to make sure that the kids always know <laughs> don't read this book don't watch this movie you know he's always doing that kind I'm of thing i'm here to warn you yeah. right um had said something about it and you know i don't know exactly what he said about it but caleb had this like severe reaction to it and it just really bothered me as much as i'm like no i think that this story is about an abusive male you know <laughs> what i mean but that wasn't the point. That wasn't right. the point of my conversation. And he got really upset and was like, you know, and I said, did you read the book? And he's like, no, I don't have to read, which I agree. Like, no, you don't have to read everything in order to know. And I said, so you're taking one person's word for it. And you're also cutting off a category of songs. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. On this one person's word. And I said, you didn't ask me, but I don't appreciate the story at all myself. Mm -hmm. I can also appreciate this song without thinking about the story. Right. If it bothers you, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But it should bother you because it bothers you. Right. And that was my big point to him was that you oh. need to... We've got visitors. <laughs> <What's that? laughs> Hello? Oh, okay. So my big point was that you need to make decisions for yourself. And mm -hmm. that's what I said to him at the end of the whole thing. I said, it doesn't matter to me if you say you don't like something that I absolutely love. Um, I'm not going to argue with you because of that. I will only argue with you when you're telling me somebody else told me this is horrible and right. you haven't put any thought into it. Well, and I guess that what I'm hearing in that is the idea of really coming back to individuality mm -hmm. and being able to interpret things for yourself and to be able to make those decisions. Right. Um, and total sidebar, the characters in that oh, story. Yeah. I just was talking to my sister <laughs> earlier, and I cannot believe this, but it was the first time I ever put that together. Was isn't that crazy? Today, well, talking to my sister. Oh my gosh, that's too and funny. And she said, "Oh, did you have all the kids this weekend?" And I said, "Well, Caleb and Isaac and and Anastasia and Christian." And I'm like, and I just <laughs> and she just kind of started laughing. I'm like, but they're older. It's right. she did not name them. After the I, book. Yeah, I had a conversation. We were on a road trip because we have this whole thing. We're going to all 50 states before the kids graduate uh -huh. high school. Fun thing was, though, I never clarified which child. So I have an extra year between the two of them. Oh, but I'm like, haha, -ha, there we go. That's my, that's <laughs> my ace in the hole here. Um, but having said that, we were on one of those road trips and we were at like some diner somewhere. And the waitress is going on and on and on. And my kids are young. Like, so it was when the, the book not the movies, but the book first came out. And she's like, Christian and Anastasia, did you name them after Fifty Shades? And I'm like, A, ew, oh. they're brother and sister. <laughs> and B, do the math. Like, yeah. do the math. Do the they're math. sitting in front of you. Yeah. That book just came out. Like, come on. <laughs> come on. But yeah, I'm like going, really? Really? What are the odds? I mean, of, really, like, Tanya. of the thousands of Tanya. names that could have and been pairings. selected. Yes. Yeah. And movies. Right. Or books. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Funny little, you know, yeah. <laughs> rabbit Side trail part. there. Yeah. We do that. That's, that's mm -hmm. exactly what we do. Yeah. Well, I know that, I mean, we 
there are so many things that we could talk yes. about, and there's this really is the it life's should be work. Like a series, like mm-hmm. perhaps there should be every quarter or something. <laughs> well, you know, considering that we've been trying so hard to get our schedules to align, maybe that's what we need to do. Oh, you're making a work thing. There we go. Yes. <laughs> then all of a sudden, I think we need a recovering church girls does Europe. Like, yes. you know, like let's let's make this a real trip here. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything that you guys want to say that to kind of like close out at least this part of the conversation? You know, what are your big takeaways from the life that we've lived, but then also the life that we're choosing now? Ooh. Hmm. I, I think that it's, for me, it's important to remember. And as we're recounting things, I'm feeling some of the emotions come up, mm-hmm. good and bad. And for me, that's the point. Um, I feel that it's important to walk away from telling your story in a way that you can acknowledge the good parts of Mm -hmm. it as well as the unhealthy or the toxic parts of it. And so I think for me, I'm still going through the process of acknowledging the good and accepting that and allowing that to be a part of who I am Mm -hmm. as well as, as the rejection. I think, you know, for anyone who is in earlier in the process of leaving that environment, know that at first it's going to be a lot of negative. Like, know that at first you're going to have a lot more questions. It's not going to feel safe. Mm. You're going to feel like you're on rocky ground. Um, you may be accused of bashing, like church bashing or mm-hmm. like ministry bashing or... but. It's part of the process. It's important to, in a sense, not to be like graphic, but you have to lance the wound first Mm -hmm. and let it ooze out before the healing can actually begin. And it's not a fast process. Mm. It's something that takes time. It takes talking to a lot of people that have similar, Mm -hmm. similar experiences so that you can unpack some of that. But at the end... I can say that sort of fresh wounded feeling that you have when you're first leaving, it does subside. It does heal. Mm -hmm. You always have a little limp. I think, I think I will always have a little bit of a limp in that sense. However, I don't feel less strong or Mm -hmm. less. I, I, I think that there are so many things out of that experience that have made me who I am that I'm very, very grateful for. And that at the end of the day, after you're able to process and vent and rant and, you know, burn the house down (laughs) after that, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's freeing. It's like, oh, this is what freedom feels Mm. like. (laughs) Like this is not being held down, all that stuff. So yeah, that's something that Mm -hmm. I take away from it is to kind of be able to simultaneously carry both of those truths Mm -hmm. in my body. Yeah. Good and the bad. Yeah. I would say all of that, (laughs) but then also I think, um, what I, I had noticed in some other people that there was a tendency to sort of, it it creates a void, right? Mm -hmm. You're sort of in a little bit of a tailspin. Like you said, if everything's about Jesus, then what am I about now? Mm -hmm. And I noticed there were a couple of people, quite a few actually, who became Buddhist or mm-hmm. became atheist or, you know, they sort of assigned another identity mm-hmm. in place of that one to fill that. Mm-hmm. And 
I went with one of my friends to a Buddhist ceremony and they were like actively recruiting me. And I looked at her and I actually said, which I I feel like was very self-possessed of me at the time mm -hmm. because I wasn't even fully processed um, within myself yet. But I looked at her and I said, I'm not looking to trade one religion for another. Mm. And, and I didn't go back. But it, and it wasn't like I don't like you people or anything like that. Right. It's just I think that's what I would say, that if mm -hmm. someone's in the process, that it's okay to um, embrace the openness because it does feel scary mm -hmm. because you've outsourced everything for so long and right. now and now you got to bring everything in house you know mm -hmm. and um and so yeah just being able to accept that openness what feels like a tailspin what feels like a tailspin is not actually mm. you know um but it if you embrace that openness you will start to like your your true self will start to feel okay coming forward. Mm -hmm. And that's that's what my experience was anyway, mm -hmm. is that I I didn't force it. I didn't like jump out and then into something else or, you know, I'm going to leave Christianity and then go associate with this whole other group of people, mm -hmm. you know, to sort of, I didn't, like some people disassociated from all their friends because they were just like, you all just remind me of that. And mm -hmm. I understand all of that. Mm -hmm. But I think um, for me, I was like, okay, what are the things I just need to change that just haven't felt true mm. for me Yeah, for a long time? And mm. I just started by changing those things one at a time. And then you sort of let your real self emerge. And it doesn't make sense to everyone. Mm -hmm. You know, I did definitely lose people in the process um, unintentionally. Mm -hmm. You know, I lost some people intentionally. And it's, it's not easy. But, um, and there were lots of times where other people would say to me, do you think... Maybe you made the worst, you know, you made a worse decision and, and you will have times that you question, but sure. I just think that the openness, that's just how it feels to me. Like you said, freedom, mm -hmm. that openness is scary at first. And then it becomes like, how could I ever think I yeah. didn't want this, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I think in, in some ways, one of the reasons why it feels so scary is because it's something that we never experienced prior to that. And so it was this idea of, you know, leaning into the structure to such a degree that it really defined us as opposed to, you know, we didn't know freedom. We, we couldn't experience it. And then when we were introduced, it was kind of like, well, what the hell is this? Because I yeah. don't recognize any of this, you know, kind Just of Just tell moment. me what yeah. to do. Right, right. <laughs> you should end with that one poem that um, Ansel yeah, yeah, Elkins. Yeah. Yep. Because that is the final line is my favorite yes. line. I did not fall from grace. I leapt to freedom. Yeah. I don't know if you can plug that, like the whole poem in somewhere later or whatever, because I don't remember the whole thing. Do you thing remember the author's name? I want to make sure to give her I think credit. It's Ansel Elkins. Okay. We will find but, it and link to it in the show notes. Because, yeah, yeah I, I, that is something that I have on my, my big bulletin board oh, is just this idea of <sighs> there's something in that line specifically that oh, wraps whole... up with the identity, like just yeah. that piece of, because again, the shame, the guilt, like all of the, mm -hmm. the codependency, all of the things that we've talked about, again, to your point, Jen, from the negative experience, 
I love what you said, because I think the idea of being able to hold space for both the negative and the positive, that was something that took me a while to come back on mm -hmm. my pendulum. Absolutely. Like I went so far to the extreme where it's like, this was all bad. And even to the point of why did you let this happen to me, you know, kind of thing, or what was wrong with me that I didn't see mm -hmm. this sooner yeah, or, you know, I any of those lot. kinds of things where it's like, you know, yeah. whether I'm blaming someone else or I'm blaming myself, it's still blame. Mm -hmm. It's still shame. It's still guilt. It's still all of those, those things that I don't ascribe to any longer and I don't believe in. And yet the programming is still there. So I have to be very conscious of it and very cognizant of when I'm starting to slip down the slippery slope again. Mm -hmm. But that poem, mm -hmm. the idea that, oh, no, no, that's not what happened. I, did I didn't fall from grace. I leapt to freedom. Right. Mm -hmm. It's more, it's proactive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the first line, fear. wearing nothing but snakeskin boots, mm. which I love because, of course, that nods to Eve. Mm -hmm. And Fantastic. no, did the snake deceive her? No, actually, I'm wearing the boots. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's definitely something in that. I think that, again, just the the imagery that comes up of like, no, this is my life. Right. Right here, right now. This is my choice. This is my life. This is my legacy of who I am choosing to be and, and what I choose to do with who I am. That's something that's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful power. There's also a major responsibility, which I think we all can identify with. Like, that's what we were always told and held out to this idea of, well, your life doesn't belong to you because you owe it to God. You owe it to the ministry. You owe it to Jesus. You owe it to fill in the blank mm -hmm. to fulfill what we think your destiny should be, as opposed to, again, tapping into ourselves and our own intuition and being rooted in who we are. I love what you said, August, about the idea of coming back to ourselves and like that'll, that'll come through again when you give it time because mm -hmm. I think that's really what at the end of the day, that's really what Recovering Church Girls is all about. It's that idea of finding ourselves in each other's stories and being able to first of all realize it's not just you. Yeah. Like, I mean, how yeah. many of us thought, I mean, even the three of us that did it together, yeah. how long did it, it take us to, to ever, yeah, yeah, really be like, um, hey, by the way, I'm kind of wondering about this one thing. And then lo and behold, mm -hmm. we've all been having the same experience individually. I wonder, you know, could we have, could we have helped each other more mm -hmm. at that stage? But then on the flip side, I don't know that that was, yeah. that wasn't the thing that we needed either. We needed yeah. it individually to be able to truly be in our own mm -hmm. skin mm -hmm. and stand on our own two feet whether that was mentally, mm -hmm. emotionally, you know, all of the different layers and to be who we fully are individually to then be able to have this conversation collectively. Mm -hmm. Sure. Which is But I amazing. do recommend getting a buddy. Oh my yeah. goodness, yes. <laughs> have and a therapy? travel buddy if you're have traveling out of organized religion. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Have a yeah. travel buddy. And therapy. Therapy is oh, God, huge. Yes. Yeah, God, it yes. is. Regular therapy. Yeah. Not the one with like the, the not, Christian guy. Who's, not Prayer counseling. Yes. Right. That's <laughs> different and not the same. Yeah. That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> well, I, I think too, it's that idea of like really at the end of the day, taking the time to truly connect back to ourselves mm -hmm. and just ask the question. Because this is something that I get asked pretty often of like, where do you even start? Like yeah. literally, where do you start? My advice is always the same, whether it's on the single parent summit side or it's in the recovering church girls. I'm like, just breathe. Mm -hmm. Like literally, preferably take your shoes off, go stand in the grass and just breathe. 
and ask yourself, what do I need right now? Mm -hmm. And to be able to build that muscle of relying on yourself and keying into your own intuition and being able to reconnect to a way that you were never really told to before, never really allowed to before, because we know what we need. Mm -hmm. We just don't know how to get it sometimes. But, but starting small, like I said, like I just started making individual decisions. Like at first it was, I'm not jumping into all the ministry projects anymore Mm -hmm. because I just found out, you know, well, it was a little bit after that, but finding out I was diagnosed with this and you know what, that's taking up all of my mental space. Yeah. So I can't, I have to say, start saying no to you. Mm -hmm. And that was like, it felt major. Creating space for yourself. Right. Yeah. But I wasn't, I didn't put those words to it. You know what I mean? I just had to start. So the starting point, yes, breathe, Mm -hmm. ask yourself what it is you need. And even if it's a tiny thing, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. even if it's shut my phone off so that I don't see whatever. Saying no. Mm-hmm. I know. Simple, but not. I've had times where literally the answer is go drink some water. Like, I mean, I get dehydrated like super yeah. fast, you know, and I'm sure I'm not eat drinking enough water. Like, yeah. I'm like, oh, you should eat something because you haven't done that all day. Like, I mean, yeah. sometimes the cues are really simple. Mm-hmm. And that's how we start, again, developing that idea of self care. Because if we don't know who we are, how can we possibly care for ourselves? Like people will elevate the idea. Yeah. But people elevate the idea of, well, self-care is so crucial and so important. And absolutely. Yes, it is. I couldn't agree with that more. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be complicated. And without the self-awareness and the knowledge of who we are, how can we actually care for ourselves? So it's like kind of counterintuitive there. Yeah. Yeah. So we okay. gotta move. I know because we've got to stop this conversation because otherwise we will just keep going. Um. So officially, thank you again so much, you guys, for being a part of this. I'm very, very grateful to both of you. Thank you for having us. Uh, are we gonna do a fashion show now? Well, I mean, we are. We are in the closet. Are we do all, have some really. We all fun have to stuff. come out of the closet. We do. We do uh, all have yes. to come out of the closet. It's like now that you know we can't move um, because of that patterns. fact. I know. So as we're admiring the contents of Jen's closet, um, for those of you, oops, and I spilled latte all over my computer. Um, For those of you who are, you know, kind of checking this whole recovering church girls thing out at the very beginning stages, um, stick around because we've got lots more of these kinds of conversations. But then also the idea being if this resonates with you, odds are high you're not the only person in your world who is thinking and feeling the same thing. So share this out with someone else that you feel feel would resonate as well and be able to have the conversation together because that's really where the healing happens and that's where the entire process of being able to come back to who you are, that's what this is all about. So with that being said, um, thanks so much for joining in on our conversation and we're excited to continue it with you on the other side. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.